It's showtime. Don't say it, please. Don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime. It's showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. I am your host, Show, as always. Thank you for being alongside me as we chat some movies and yeah it's been a while since the last episode it has been a crazy couple of months the baseball season has started which means that uh my job which is uh as you may or may not know a radio producer for blue jays baseball specifically i basically only get time off when the jays get time off and the month of april i believe they played it was something like the season started on april 8th and i think they had one day off is that right? Yeah, they played 30 games in 31 days. It was it, honestly it was ridiculous. It was wild. It's a lot of fun because I like my job, but at the same time, yeah, it was um it was busy. So I didn't get a chance to get into the recording booth. I think the last episode we did was the Oscar predictions, which I did pretty well on, honestly, outside of the, as I said then, the uh, completely randomly picked short categories. I did pretty well, all things considered. And uh, that little tidbit about Jessica Chastain winning an Oscar was true, so I did win a fair bit of money. So you know what? Even if I had gone like one for 23 or whatever, the however many categories there are, Getting that one right and winning money on it makes it all better. Just like how last year, uh, the last Oscar of the evening, winning money on Anthony Hopkins, winning uh, Best Actor was, ooh, so good. Ooh, just so good, right? Anyway, so here I am back in the studio. I have been watching movies. I actually have been still putting my butt down uh, and watching movies. The the I guess the movie I saw right after the Oscars was The Batman with Robert Pattinson. So we'll talk about that today. And most recently, I saw uh, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness, and I have watched a couple other movies since then. But we're gonna we're gonna focus on those two specifically. Uh, but uh, it's kind of interesting, right? Because I think the most recent thing, like the most recent non-live sporting event that I actually watched, was the mid-season finale of Better Call Saul. Now. I won't spoil it. I do think it was a fantastic episode. And for those people who complain that this this season six so far is a slow burn, everything you've seen so far built up to this. But the only reason I mention it is because we are in this era, and I've spoken about this before, but we're in this era where TV and movies, the gap between them is more or less non-existent, right? Like you could have had that conversation I think maybe at any time in the last 15 to 20 years, it kind of feels like, right, like going back to the Sopranos, when when I guess that's kind of the first, I don't know, like first little thing of prestige TV. And then I would, I dare I say the next thing that launched TV forward was Lost, which is personally my favorite TV show of all time. Uh, and then I think the next time I took another step forward, you could probably say Mad Men slash Breaking Bad slash The Walking Dead and AMC probably just was killing ratings back then. But after that, it was Game of Thrones. And now here we are. Right. And I think there's a clear I wonder what it would be before The Sopranos, because The Sopranos was kind of on the air at the same time as all of the like the golden era of TV and of specifically of sitcoms, dare I say. Right. I've said this before. I'm a big fan of Frasier, but Friends and you know, there's there's so many TV shows on at that point that you could point to and say this is probably one of the best TV shows maybe of all time. Anyways, I digress on that. I just I think it's interesting that TV and movies, the gap between them is so little. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. How many people often say 
with movies. Uh, you know what? I'd rather see this story told in a in a in a TV show over five seasons, right? And maybe that's because of the success, like things like Game of Thrones, where where book series are adapted instead of into like three a trilogy of movies. It's adapted into hundreds of hours of television, right? At, at a really high a high budget. I was thinking about this in relation to the new Lord of the Rings. Uh, TV show, right? I think it's called The Rings of Power, and it's about, like, I don't know, some manuscript that's being adapted from Tolkien's estate, and it's about, like, the era prior, like, the the people who got The Rings of Power that Sauron forges, and I presume he's going to be the final big bad guy, and it'll end maybe with Sauron's death and lead into what we eventually know as the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies, which won a million Oscars, um, I just find that interesting, right? Because the, even those are not really based on books as far as I understand, right? I could be wrong. I could be misunderstanding the, the source material it's based off of. But anyways, I just, I think it's fascinating that we're at that point now. And Harry Potter was the thing that got me thinking about this. I had seen the trailer again for The uh, Secrets of Dumbledore. And I have not seen that movie yet. I plan on it because um, of all of the major franchises, I'm sure that's like the worst one, but A, I do like Mads Mikkelsen, so I'm interested to see how he uh, replaces Johnny Depp as Grindelwald in that movie, but also uh, my wife and I, it's kind of fun that I can still say my wife instead of my girlfriend, but <laughs> my wife and I, the first movie we ever watched together, not in theaters, the first movie we watched together in theaters was that Tiffany Haddish, Kevin Hart night school movie, if you recall that. I think I did that on this podcast, now, although now I'm not sure, but... Uh, the first movie we saw together, period, before we went to see Night School in theaters, was the first Harry Potter Fantastic Beast movies because she had not seen it. And the the second one, um, I guess it was, what was the second one called? The Gr- the Crimes of Grindelwald. We had not yet, like that movie was about to come, come out in theaters. And so she was like, all right, I like Harry Potter. Why don't we watch the first one? I had seen it already, but she had not seen it. So we watched it in my apartment and, you know extracurricular stuff happened not to brag but you know it happened (laughs) uh but my point being that i think that's kind of been the movie we've been like linked to i don't know for some strange reason even though they're quite bad so anyways i do have to go see that movie but the whole harry potter conversation got me thinking wouldn't it be kind of interesting to see harry potter i guess as a as a tv show like as a i don't want to say hbo necessarily but as some kind of prestige tv bajillion dollar budget per episode tv show i mean they're doing it with halo which is a video game and by all accounts that looks god awful i'm never going to watch that but i just i just think if you, if you can see as good tv for breaking bad and for better call saul which dare i say is just as good if not better than breaking bad uh then i i just i you know I, if if you can I don't know if you need to have like a gritty, dark adult spin on Harry Potter because it is a children's children's series of books. But at the same time, I think it would be interesting to see what the first book stretched into a 10 episode season or a 12 episode season of like really high quality television would look like. I bet it wouldn't look too far from from a movie, essentially, when it's all said and done. Right. Anyways, I thought that was a little interesting. And uh I'm sure that's going to be something that happens. I'm sure it's not an original thought I I here had right now in this podcast. I'm sure that's probably already in the works for all we know. But anyways, I just thought that was kind of interesting. But I digress. Let's get back to the movie stuff of this podcast. And of course, I mentioned it. We'll talk about two movies on this episode, uh, The Batman and Doctor Strange. Kind of getting back to our roots with the podcast, right? I always said we would try and do themes 
right, for episodes. And uh, that whew, that will got went out the window real quick, right? But uh, here we are with two superhero-themed movies for this episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast. So let's get right into it. Robert Pattinson, Matthew Reeves, The Batman. my hot take on the Robert Pattinson The Batman movie. Okay, here's my hot take. It may not be the best superhero movie ever made. And I know that's what when you start by saying it's not the best thing you've ever seen, that no that probably tells you itself that I did like this movie and I did. But it's you know, I go back and forth on how you want to compare the Batman because there's so many versions of Batman now that I feel like you cannot actually have a discussion about these films and these takes on these characters that have been around forever without at least comparing it to the previous couple of iterations, right? And, of course, the last iteration of Batman itself was the Ben Affleck Batman in the uh, the Justice League, like the Zack Snyder-verse type of movies, right, for, for DC and for Warner Brothers. But I feel like the seminal kind of live action Batman movie for most people is the dark Knight from 2008 with Christian Bale and Heath Ledger, who of course won the Oscar posthumously uh, as the Joker. And I think the dark Knight as a film is a better movie. I dare say the Batman by Matt Reeves is maybe the best Batman movie. Does that make sense? Or the best Batman story? Does that does that make sense, right? Like, like I watch the Batman and I feel like it's the most we've gotten into like the kind of the psyche of Batman and it feel like Gotham feels like it's a real place. Whereas when you watch The Dark Knight, I feel like Gotham just kind of feels like Chicago. Right. Or just feels like Pittsburgh. I guess it was Pittsburgh in the third one and it was Chicago in the first two. But for for Christopher Nolan's movies. But and I'm not I am in no way just to be clear crapping on the Dark Knight. That is a a, probably the best superhero movie ever made. Right. I think even after Endgame has come out, however many years later and all these things, I think that is still tops in terms of superhero movies. Will there be a better one made eventually? Probably. Probably, but I think the best Batman story we have ever seen might actually be the Batman because like many people have said, you kind of actually get to see him do detective work, right? You see him. I mean, the criticism of him, is he actually doing very much in these movies? I think that's like a valid question to ask, but generally speaking, by and large, I think Robert Pattinson, he, he, he brings like this, a certain, it's not gravitas necessarily because he, I feel like when you're that young, can you really have gravitas? I guess you can actually to answer my own question, but it's not really where I'm going with it. He feels real, right? Like you feel like this version of Bruce Wayne and Batman is a real person because the Bruce Wayne half of him is not the polished playboy we're all used to. He's like some dweeb. He's some some emo dweeb who listens to like what? The, what was it? The Smashing Pumpkins or Nirvana unironically? Like it, it's the music that's playing through the entire through the drive home or whatever. And you think it's like the 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 soundtrack music. I always forget the difference between diegetic and non-diegetic, but either way, the, the let's say the diegetic version and then he turns off his like smart speaker on his desk and and it's like oh he's actually just listening to nirvana right i think that is fantastic i think that's so good i don't even really like nirvana i just think what i like so much about it is that 
in every version that we have seen of Batman in like pop culture, let's say, right? So Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale, and Ben Affleck, right? Of all of those versions, all of the Bruce Waynes are super polished. They're cool and they're funny. And yeah, of course, in like the in the Christopher Nolan ones by the, you know, by Dark Knight Rises, you know, Bruce Wayne's a shut in and so on. Yeah, whatever that, you know, that doesn't undermine my point, I think, is that for the most part, these are people who we all know and love and he's like cool and sexy and funny. Right. So that this Bruce Wayne is a, a younger Bruce Wayne and B is kind of like a loser. I think it's kind of funny. I think my favorite joke about this film is, and it's not really a joke, it, it, like it, like a haha overt joke. It's more just like a thing you kind of snicker about afterwards, like I did. When he meets Selena Kyle, and they, I guess she like she seems to find him attractive, and I get the impression she finds him attractive because he's like brooding and mysterious, right? <laughs> and that's um, that's my Batman voice. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they make out and she's like, Boy, what are you hiding under there? Are you just horribly scarred? And she's like flirting with him and he goes, yeah, I'm scarred or whatever, right? <laughs> and and, and, and she, I guess she just takes it as him being, yeah, like taciturn and mysterious. And the truth is, you and I know as the viewer, he's just an awkward dweeb who's probably a virgin, right? I think I remember people joking about that in the aftermath of the movie. Is this Batman a virgin? Probably, right? Probably. And I just think it's funny that she mistakes the awkwardness that is probably just a legitimate awkwardness for mysteriousness, which honest to God is one of the funniest things about this movie. But uh, Robert Pattinson, I think, is pretty good as Batman. He's a very kinetic, very physical, right? It's a very, uh, very brutal Batman. And I mean, we knew that from the trailer going into this, right? When he just beats the living crap out of some of these human beings, like my God, I, um, I, I think it's a lot of fantastic shots, a lot of great action, right? I think Robert Pattinson's a great choice to be the the sulky Bruce Wayne and also the grim Year Two kind of Batman. Um, I loved the the juxtaposition of Batman representing himself as vengeance, as we see in the trailer, only to realize that that's probably not enough, right? That's not enough for the city of Gotham, which is shown to be just a disgusting place, right? Like, no one, no one should live there. Why does anyone want to live in Gotham? It's like the same kind of question I ask when... You know, like in the Avengers, in the first Avengers movie, they like the the World Council, Hydra Council, whatever is going to bomb New York. You're going to nuke New York with some like mega nuke, and you're like, and and this is after an alien wormhole opens in the city and like spews out alien soldiers, and people are dying left, right, and center, and it's it sets off like the events of Spider Man, it sets off the events of Hawkeye, and blah 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 blah. I, it's just kind of funny to think that Gotham apparently is a million times worse than any other place in the world, and by the end of the movie. Movie, it's even worse somehow it's crazy i i gotta say like i i don't know who would willingly choose to live there uh but hey kudos to batman for trying to clean all that stuff up but gotham feels like a real place to me it actually feels like a place that could exist instead of like a sanitized film from a different angle version of chicago like i was saying before right um that was a pretty interesting aspect in how the people of gotham kind of are afraid of batman um, and by the end of the movie, they're not afraid of him because they view him as an actual protector of the city, i.e. the Dark Knight, right? Which is kind of cool. Um, the villain of this movie, of course, is the Riddler. 
And we kind of get glimpses of other guys. We see Carmine Falcone. We see uh, the Penguin, who we'll talk about in a second here, was played by Colin Farrell. Uh, and we see, I guess, very very briefly, we see the Joker. Um, and, of course, Catwoman, who is a you know, anti-hero villain, I guess, whatever. It's not, it's not, we're not going to count her as a villain for this because she's basically like a second protagonist. But uh, it was interesting. I guess Reeves had said when he was making this movie that he wanted to make it feel like you could turn the corner and run into any member of the rogues gallery and have it not feel out of place. And I think one thing this movie does that's interesting is that even though it is kind of like a, like a realist, right? Like a realistic view on, on Gotham and Batman. It's not a world where the fantastical feels so out of place. Like if you were to see Mr. Freeze or Killer Croc show up, and I frankly hope both of them show up in the next movie, uh, I, I don't think you'd feel super out there with that, right? Or even Poison Ivy or something like that. I don't think you would feel like they were super out of place, right? Like the Riddler, sure, yeah, he's a serial killer and he's a kind of weird. Paul Dano did a fantastic job bringing the Riddler to life. And uh, dare I say the the whole thing about the Riddler having like a like I don't know like the Darknet YouTube channel where you know he would send his like scary messages prophetic messages out to the people of Gotham with his like scary voice and then he'd t- like talk to the YouTube channel and be like Hey guys Riddler here we're gonna do some terrorism tonight like that stuff it was I I gotta say that genuinely got a chuckle not just out of me but everyone in the theater because of how jarring it was and also because of how real it is right I mean the movie the movie came out what a couple of months ago and it doesn't it kind of feel like we have seen in the world things like that happen like it does kind of to me right and anyways i it it was a little freaky because it it seemed a little real but at the same time i thought dano did a fantastic job bringing that character to life and and also showing the motivations of that character with um you know being an orphan and feeling like Bruce Wayne got a free ride because because he was rich while all the all the quote-unquote real orphans were forgotten about and uh, Selena Kyle, of course, Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz does a, a phenomenal job. I think she does a, a fantastic job. And again, I think there's some vulnerability to that character and they leave the door open to bring her back. And I don't know if she would be in the next one because I think they've already essentially announced there's going to be a trilogy of these movies. And why wouldn't there? Because it was incredibly, uh, incredibly successful. But yeah, I think look, it just goes to show that you make a coherent story about any of these incredibly popular characters, people will watch, right? People will watch. And uh, quickly on the Joker, who was played by, and honestly, the guy's name for uh, escapes me, but he was like one of the one of the Eternals in The Eternals. And um, uh, Keo, I think his name was, right? Barry Keo. Barry Keoghan, that's what it is, I think. I swear I didn't look it up. I just came to me. Um, I almost said Riley Keough. Then I'm like, oh, that's a woman. No, never mind. It's Barry Keoghan. And uh, I do kind of, Reeves has, has, he has resisted the idea that it was a, a studio directive to have the Joker in this movie. I don't mind the Joker being in this movie. He's kind of freaky looking, actually. I think after the, um, after the movie came out, they released like a, like a a deleted scene that was Batman meeting with a Joker early on that was taken out of the movie. And I think it was probably for the best because it would have been a little jarring, but uh, the Joker's already in prison. So he already has a history with Batman. And I just thought it was interesting because 
he's like kind of scary looking. He's kind of freaky to the point where like, I don't really enjoy looking at him. Whereas like even Heath Ledger's Joker, as unpleasant as he was with the whole like you know why so serious and how, you know I want to know I got these scars stuff. He wasn't like unpleasant entirely to look at. This guy looks like he actually fell into a, a barrel of chemicals, a barrel of acid, and like is suffering for it. That's what he looks like, right? Maybe maybe it's like fresh because he was just put in prison. But either way, I thought it was. Uh, that was an interesting an interesting visual take, even though you don't see him entirely at any point in the movie. Um, the, he's, he looks and sounds creepy. I just, I do hope that it's not all building up again to the Joker. I it, It's crazy to say, because the Joker is obviously one of the most popular villains ever, and easily Batman's most popular rogue in his, in his very diverse and cool rogues gallery, but... I don't know how, like, how many times you want to do the Joker over and over again. You know what I mean? Like we just got the Jared Leto Joker and the Heath Ledger Joker. We got the Jack Nicholson Joker. Probably no one can compare to the Mark Hamill Joker. I, I'm not saying that Keoghan is going to do a bad job, but it's just, I think at this point, why not have a cool tragic take on Mr. Freeze since the last time was, uh, was the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. What killed the dinosaurs? The ice age. Can you feel it coming? The icy cold of space. Ah. After you're frozen, your icy tomb will plummet back to Gotham. Please, well, stay cool, bird boy. Is that hilarious? Absolutely, it's hilarious. But do we need another take like that? Like, why not a more realistic take, kind of like we got for Catwoman, right? Why not a more realistic take with some kind of bioterrorist, like for, uh, for Poison Ivy, right? I mean, there's no reason why not get Killer Croc now that Gotham is flooded. Why not have Winter come and Mr. Freeze be the villain? Like, there's so many ways they could take it. And the Court of Owls is a popular theory for this one. Doesn't seem like it was too... Uh, gone too far that's not no reason to say they they can't bring it in going forward i don't know i just think there's there's no reason they couldn't do that if they don't didn't want to and i just i don't really think we need the joker again so soon but hey i mean the joker is popular the joker sells maybe that's what we're gonna get but either way the batman generally speaking was a good movie it was i i didn't mind the length either i thought the action was great the scene where the batmobile fires up for the first time was absolutely fantastic um despite beginning uh, disrupted in my theater by a drunk man who wandered in from a uh, an adjoining theater and uh, thought i was in a seat and he like got right up in my face i'm not kidding the batmobile like the the the, is revving up and the blue flame and the engine is turning on this guy literally like he got him down on, on on a knee and like put his face like inches to mine and i'm like is this guy gonna like? Is, am I gonna die? Like, is this guy gonna kill me right now? And then I could I could smell the booze on him, and then I looked at him, and I'm like, this guy looks like me. Like he's like some young guy. And then I realized he was holding a giant fishbowl of like I don't know some kind of alcoholic drink. And I was like, can I help you? And he's like, and he got a little he got a little confused. He wandered away. And then I realized he probably just wandered out of his, he probably went to the bathroom or something, and like wandered out of his theater, wandered into the wrong one. Anyways, the staff came and helped him, but. Uh, I did I did end up going to see this movie a second time in theaters because of that, because I essentially missed that entire Batmobile car chase. I essentially remember turn, tuning back in just to see the penguin go, I got you, I got you, <laughs> which was pretty funny, but I uh, did kind of feel a little cheated. So, hey, that was a cool part for sure. And, oh, and of course, Carl Farrell, who, the Penguin himself, who I didn't talk about, basically unrecognizable. And apparently he is getting his own HBO series that is going to continue the exploits of the Penguin on his way to becoming the new crime boss 
um, at the Iceberg Lounge with no Carmine Falcone anymore. I'm curious, very curious. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about with uh, with movies and TV shows, the line being blurred between them. Isn't that funny? Like, they're literally making a TV show to follow up on the movie to lead us into the next movie. That's so weird. I'm not complaining because I'm going to watch it, but, like, it's just a strange and 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 unexpected, maybe unexpected is the wrong word, because I guess we kind of all knew that media is going to become one big just boom, of like of information and, and connected universes and this and that. Right. <laughs> As we all know. But boy, I got to say, I um, who, who would have thought that's where we were at here, even in, in 2022. But yeah, Colin Farrell was great. Uh, Zoe Kravitz was great. Robert Pattinson was great. They were all like all the side characters were were great casts as well. Um, Commissioner Gordon and uh, Paul Dano and so on. Everything was was good. I just I hey, it was a fantastic movie. I know superhero fatigue might be setting in, but Batman more like maybe even more than Iron Man as a little kid has was always the 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 the, the thing I gravitated towards. I still think the best Batman movie period is The Mask of the Phantasm, but for live action it's probably Batman story-wise it is probably The Batman and I uh, I can't wait till the sequel comes out. I honestly can't. All right, let's get to the next episode on the docket for this episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast, a superhero episode, as I said. Uh, We're going to go from DC with the Batman to Marvel with Doctor Strange 2, otherwise known as Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. With the Multiverse of Madness, it's kind of funny to think that I know there's a scene in this film where they jump from like they jump through maybe like four or five different universes and they get to the one they spend most of the movie in at the end they get to one more and then they go back to quote-unquote our universe at the end um it, it like it's not really the multiverse of madness i guess right like they go to like what two at best essentially really one for the bulk of the film right <laughs> just kind of fun. like you can't count our universe so you have to count the next one and really they just spend, you know, they just spend like most of the time in one. I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of that's why, like, I feel like when they sell you on the idea of the multiverse, expectations will always be probably higher than they can ever be fulfilled. And I think that's just like by itself kind of sets you up for failure. That's not to say that this movie is bad by any means. I think it is a perfectly passable time at the films, right? Time at the movies, time in the theaters. Is it as good as some of the other recent Marvel fare? Probably not. I liked Shang-Chi. I liked Spider-Man. I didn't really care too much for The Eternals, so this is probably better than that. Um, it's, you know, I just, it's it's fine. It's a perfectly fine movie. Um, Benedict, If you didn't like Benedict Cumberbatch going into this movie, you probably won't like him any more or less. It's just more of the same, right? But I think the the character that I think you 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 learn the most about as a again, as a character, I guess, for lack of a better word, is Wanda, right? The Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff after the events of WandaVision. And the trailers, I think, did a did a good job because they cleverly cut around the fact that Wanda is the villain of this movie. Wanda, is, it's, the, the trailers make it seem that Doctor Strange goes and recruits her and the two of them try to stop the multiverse from imploding. That's not what happens. Wanda goes on a quest to essentially destroy reality because she wants to get her way about her children. Understandable, I guess. But at the same time, 
She is the villain of this film. And I think Elizabeth Olsen did a fantastic job in bringing some darkness to Wanda. I mean, she already, I guess, had some, even going back to when she was first introduced in The Age of Ultron. But I think uh, what we saw out of her when she embraces full villainness, right, and really shows off the fact that the Scarlet Witch is the most powerful Avenger, bar none, is cool. I think it's pretty cool. Again, this movie... There's, I think people's expectations were a little high in terms of we were going to get the X-Men in this movie. We're going to get the Fantastic Four in this movie. We're going to see all these different things. And you got pieces of that. And that's fine. But I don't think it was what people was, were expecting, which is why I think this is like it falls short of some things. Like, yeah, we got Professor X in this movie. We saw Patrick Stewart in the trailers. And I will say it was kind of cool to see Professor X in the yellow hover chair wheelchair thingy right that he has in the cartoon wearing the green suit having the the cartoon music not the x-men like 1999 2002 not the, not that music but the music from the cartoon play when he comes in that was pretty cool when he does the when he puts his like kind of hand to his forehead to do his like mind powers his telekinesis the concentric circles come out from his head like in the cartoon that is cool that was actually genuinely pretty cool um same goes for the other two kind of big ish cameos um black bolt played by anson mount and of course uh mr fantastic right reed richards played by john krasinski and I would love to see more of Black Bolt, let me just say. I, I watched all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all of Agent Carter and all of the Inhumans TV show. I think it's a disservice. Hey, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got more lives than cats have, so that it finished on its own I thought was pretty impressive. Uh, Agent Carter I thought was done dirty, and it was cool to see um, Peggy Carter come back for this one, right? So that was uh, that was kind of neat. But the Inhumans television show... Like that show is genuinely bad. It, it's that show sucks. It's not going to become like a cult classic in years. That is a bad TV show. And you know, we'll say it's not because of the actors. It's just I don't know. They put these people in the worst situations possible. But I will say, Anson Mount as the uh, Inhuman King Black Bolt, I think was easily one of the best parts of that show. And I'm glad he found more work as Captain Pike and on Discovery and now Strange New Worlds, which by the way is a, is also a good TV show. It's close to movie quality, but. Uh, it was that more than seeing John Krasinski as as uh, as Reed Richards. Dare I dare say Black Bolt as the King of the Inhumans was the the one that got me the most because I like him and they showed off his powers in the coolest way when you show what happened to their universe's Doctor Strange and he he was cool and yeah sure the big one in the room is is John Krasinski as as uh, as Mister Fantastic. I'm not entirely sure if that means. John Krasinski is going to be Mr. Fantastic in the next, like whenever we get the Fantastic Four movie, like in a couple of years, or if that was just Marvel listening to the popular fan cast, because on all of the fan websites, he was the most popular ask for Mr. Fantastic, along with Emily Blunt for Susan Storm, i.e. Mrs. Fantastic, who is, of course, uh, in real life, they're married, Krasinski and Blunt. So I think that's that's kind of like the draw there. I think there's also that whole... That whole line where, you know, there was rumored that Emily Blunt was going to be the original uh, Scarlet, uh, Scarlet, (laughs) she was going to originally take the role of Black Widow, which was originally fulfilled, later fulfilled by Scarlett Johansson. Uh, So maybe that's a part of it, too. I don't know. right? I don't really if she's in it or not, I don't really care. But I I was just I just kind of thought it was kind of funny that. John Krasinski actually was Reed Richards. It would suggest to me by seeing this movie implying that it's like Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange in every universe and 
you know, uh, Mordo is the same guy in every universe. And even the Miss Marvel was the friend instead of Brie Larson's character, Carol Danvers. It was like her pilot friend. So clearly she was the one in the engine where it blew up, it blows up and imbues the person with power, whatever. Like it's the same characters exist. So it would seem, or same actors play the same characters. So it would seem to me that John Krasinski probably is going to be that person going forward. So, Hey, if that's the case, I don't really mind. I'm a big fan of uh, of John Krasinski, obviously going back to The Office, which is where literally every person on earth knows him from, not just The Quiet Place, but uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I Again, the the best part of this movie is probably the fight where Wanda decimates the Illuminati and she kills all of them. I mean, the part where she like, she essentially bisects Sharon Carter, Peggy Carter in two when she is like Captain Carter in place of Captain America. The part where she like says to uh, to Reed Richards, do, you, do your kids have a mother? He says, yes. And she says, good, because they can be raised by someone after I kill you. What a cold line. Probably the best line Elizabeth Olsen has ever said in any movie. But I got to say that got a good chuckle out of me. And then she does actually brutally murder him. And same goes for Black Bolt and same goes for Captain Marvel. But I don't know. It was that's definitely the good, the best part of the movie because even after, you know, when we see Cap- Doctor Strange fight an evil version of himself in a third universe, that whole music fight with the musical notes and the and the Bach and the and and Mozart and so on. It was cool. I got to say it was creative. Um but of course uh you know, it like it, I don't think it was anything groundbreaking. And then the movie kind of just ends pacing wise after that big Dr. Strange fight. It feels like there wasn't a lot left for it to happen. It almost feels the movie was too short. Honestly, that's kind of what the, my honestly, my biggest criticism is. It feels like it might be a little too short, which is kind of weird to say for these superhero movies. Right. Um, I do think that Sam Raimi being back in the superhero business is kind of fun. Right. I think most people I would say know him from the Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, but I think you could definitely see some influences from Evil Dead in this. I mean, first of all, Bruce Campbell just being the pizza the pizza ball guy and then having him be the true uh, end credit scene. I know some people are probably disappointed, but having him say, it's over, I think is pretty funny. That was pretty great. Um, but Evil Dead influences with the zombies and like like the part where Doctor Strange makes a cape for his dead, undead body out of dead souls and then uses them to fly to fight the dark the scarlet witch and then unleashes the souls as a cage to keep the dark the, the scarlet witch under control that is just classic sam raimi and of course again the some scenes where where elizabeth olsen is like shuffling like a zombie through the like flickering hallway lights like in a zombie movie i thought it was that it, like classic sam raimi stuff it was a little different and i think but for that alone, I was interested in it more visually than a lot of some of the other kind of like just frankly boring Marvel movies. So, you know what? Kudos for them to for trying something a little different and at least making it look a little visually different, even if in the end it just kind of ends with a right, <laughs> which is kind of a bummer. Right. But you know what? At the end of the day. It pushes Doctor Strange's forward, his story forward a little bit more. It's, uh, you know, you you're not left i think again going back to the bruce campbell post-credit scene i think we're kind of in a in a bad place with marvel movies in the sense only because i I like marvel movies to be clear (laughs) but in the sense that i feel like we're always waiting for the next big thing and i'm using capital letters for all those things right and 
they did give you a taste of that and that Charlize Theron is now going to be in the Marvel Universe is frankly ridiculous because it just shows you that they Marvel can get anyone they want, including some of the best and biggest actors in the world. I like they basically say goodbye to Rachel McAdams' character and introduce his next love interest in Charlize Theron's character, Clea, who, I, as I understand, is the daughter of another god and is a magician and brings him back to life and all sorts of stuff. But at the same time, I don't know. I just think that Doctor Strange was a perfectly passable entry for for what it was, and I had a good time, and then I promptly forgot about it. I It's funny because... They played the trailer for Thor, Love and Thunder, before this movie, and I am way more pumped for that movie. Again, maybe because of Taika Waititi, maybe because of Chris Hemsworth himself, maybe because of Christian Bale. Whatever, right? I'm, I am, I am very much looking forward to that movie more than I think I ever was for for Doctor Strange. But you know what? We didn't get a full glimpse into the X Men other than that they exist. We didn't get a full glimpse into the Fantastic Four other than they exist. So I guess it's just to whet your appetite for now and i guess until you know in between all of these little ventures you're going to be getting uh disney plus marvel tv shows essentially right but then again there you go doctor strange the multiverse of madness multiverse of uh tepidness but uh hey i eh, it was a fun time of the movies all right that does it for movies on this episode of the showtime movie podcast kind of nice to get back in the saddle right i guess a little bit here i uh recording this i get literally in the middle of the night so um, I apologize before any <laughs> any flubs, but hey, it's it's pretty much either wake up super early to record these or do it after I'm done work. And uh, right now, I'm I've always been a night owl, so recording these in the middle of the night when there's no one in the Sportsnet studios and in the booths and so on makes my life a lot easier. So uh, middle of the night it is, and so I'm out of here to get some McDonald's. Hope my wife doesn't get too mad at me for eating a little more fast food than I should. But uh, you know what? I think she'll forgive me since I was at work super late tonight. Um, On the next episode of the podcast, we will talk about uh, The Bad Guys, the animated film, The Bad Guys, which I uh, did genuinely enjoy. And uh, something I enjoyed in a very different way, but probably just as much, was the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie, which I honestly, you probably, if you haven't seen the trailer, you might just think it's some silly reboot. And it is. But in a very interesting way, um, very much in the in the in the vein of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I think uh, is is a good is if, if you like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, let's put it this way, you will like Chippendale Rescue Rangers, dare I say, right? So um, I'll leave it at that. But the, those will be the two movies we do on the next episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast. I still have to see everything everywhere all at once. Top Gun Maverick comes out soon, which will be another fun blockbuster. Um, so a lot of movies on the not too distant horizon. And so I'm hoping that there's a couple of late Blue Jays games in the next little while. So I'm thinking if I'm still here at the studios, we'll uh, get back in the studio again and do another episode of the podcast. But as I always say, uh, this has been another episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast. I always very much appreciate you listening. Uh, Lots of fun. And until next time, have a great night. Breezy. I'm feeling hot. I find that unlikely.